0: Well, I think wherever powerful people are gathered trying to transform trauma, there's a need for protection um, and clearing because that is the critical work that is the seeds of undoing of these oppressive systems that harm us. And so you know that's gonna be a place (laughs) where things are going to come to try to disrupt that.
1: Welcome to the Emergent Strategy Podcast, hosted by the Emergent Strategy Ideation Institute. We are a collective of facilitators, mediators, trainers, and curious human beings interested in how we get in right relationship with change. Today, I'll be guiding our interview Amia, Mia, our Mason of Abundance. Emergent Strategy is the way we generate and reshape complex systems and patterns with relatively simple interactions. And I have the great, great fortune today of interviewing two beloved souls, Aisha Rashid and Selma Alameen. Aisha is a Black queer Muslim body worker and healer, ritual worker, spiritual organizer, and earth stewardship apprentice based in New Orleans. Aisha is currently on spiritual and movement assignment as co director of Southerners on New Ground, a regional web of queer abolitionist organizers across the South working to end the carceral state and find liberation in our lifetimes. She has launched and led numerous community building projects that touch on issues as varied and interconnected as fighting for public education venerating southern queer ancestors connecting with queer muslims and building rituals of public healing and transmutation as a co-shaper of spirit grove aisha is building a shared container through which to use her gifts as a body worker and caster of ritual spaces and service to movements for liberation Selma is a New Orleans-based Sudanese stylist and spiritual organizer. She worked for 11 years as crown healer and hairstylist for the queer and curly hair community. Since 2016, she's been apprenticing shamanic earth stewardship in the lineage of Dr. G. Love and Nana Sakara Camila, learning to eclipse capitalism, interpret ancestral and planetary messages, and use indigenous healing technologies for Black love and liberation. She helped co-create KISM, or Q-I-S-M, a collective of Southern queer Muslims, and is a co-shaper of Spirit Grove Healing Collective, a group of Black women intuitives. She also serves on the board of directors of SONG. And I understand that it's a special day, the birthday that you share. <laughs> so happy new rotation, Earthlight, birthday to you both. Thank you for sharing the special, sacred day with us, with me um, with our listeners we it matters so much that you are in the world we are so thankful for the energy that you bring for who you are how you move um so thank you thank you for sharing your advice well so i want to just do a little check in and see how you are
0: how are you today i'm doing well um, i'm grateful to be taking another ride around the sun um, and it's so wonderful to see selma's face we're usually for many years we've been together on this day and we're not. So it's really great to be here.
2: Yeah, it is very um it was it would have been weird if I hadn't seen you today, Isha, ever since we got <laughs> birthday married. <laughs> I feel like um Yeah, I'm I have a heavy heart today. I lost my uncle, but um and I feel Waves of grief, of many, many losses. And there is um, always a lining of hope when we can come together and be nourished by deep conversations and just be in the practice of yeah, accepting and shaping change.
0: And I know that we, um, the invitation was to open the space together. It's now that time please open the place and the conversation
1: as you would so that uh, the uh-huh. people listening and us can have the benefit of that together.
0: Bismillah <laughs> ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Alhamdulillah Rabbil Al-Aman Ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Maliki Aumadim Iyakinabudu wa Iyakinastahim
2: Iyakinasara ta'amnistahim Iyakinabudu wa it is in a salat and must have been a little bit of a lay him.
0: This is the Al Fatiha, um, which is the opening.
2: Yeah, it's the opening prayer from the Quran and um it is also a Cleansing, and it's also a closing, and it's many things. It's um, a powerful spell that is really sets the tone, um, and I've been hearing it a lot today. So, um, thank you, Aisha, for offering that because it was on my mind.
0: Yeah, and that's usually what I offer as an opening for a number of years, in part because of the healing connection with Selma, who is one of the people in my life who helped me. Um, really be in right relationship to my Islam um, and understand it as part of my spiritual technology. And so it's how I open mesas, it's how I open altars, it's how I usually open my day um, with water ritual and the al-Fatiha.
2: Thank you so
1: much for that. Any other particular messages for those who don't speak Arabic or like that says that we can hold beyond the sound?
2: Yes, it's, um, again, part of the medicine of the Quran is it's sonic healing, but the words are, it is an act from the God, goddess, creator to the most benevolent and most compassionate aspects of God and goddess to bless us and to um, show us, guide us the way of those who have been blessed and not those who've been on the path of ignorance. So it makes a distinction between the, the paths that we can take in this life and also a an offering to be guided on um, a path towards well, I mean, Jenna or heaven, which is what we make of it, right? But, um, yeah, I think I just hear it so often that I forget that there are words, and it just feels like the opening spell. <laughs> Anything you want to add, Angel? Yeah, I think it,
0: it, you know, it speaks about being on the on the on the path of light, um, and it speaks about being in alignment. And so I also mm-hmm. think of it as um, a centering practice, like a remembering to be on purpose.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and so I, it's uh, guide me to be on the straight way. And by that, we don't mean heterosexual, <laughs> <laughs> <That's my laughs> but in the path of alignment. Oh,
1: yeah. thank you so much. So, so I I wanted to let you know of some of the elements that we, and principles that we see in your work. Um, and if you accept these premises, then we will move forward in this emergent strategy podcast. Because yeah. sometimes folks are like, oh, I'm an emergent strategist. Hmm. I think I probably <laughs> maybe less your question, but you know, <laughs> I want to make sure. So the, we see intentional adaptation, um, we see spell casting. Mm-hmm. we see the protection that you offer as a part of transformative justice
2: mm-hmm.
1: and resilience. and so based on these things, and there are many others, but based on, at least on these mm-hmm. principles and
0: elements, we wanna we think that you're an emergent strategist. Do you accept that? So excitedly, definitely and uh, with great honor. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, enthusiastically, <laughs> I do yeah. <laughs> yay so that um but well
1: then let's get into like how you and how your emergent strategy practice shows up in the world how did you learn that you were a witch <laughs> a, healer,
0: a healer um yeah and who are your
1: teachers who are your teachers
0: yeah such a good question i so there are ways in which i think that i'm I think that we are witchy from birth. Like it's a baby, you know, babies are practicing magic and they are um, weaving and connecting. Like just the whole mystery of becoming is (laughs) so magical. And so I remember as a child making potions and spells, like this was something that I often did with my brother. And I remember, he actually reminded me well into adulthood um, that we both had these tiny little pictures of what we didn't have this word at the time but shaman in our lives as children like just we found them at a thrift store and we just liked them and there was like a a little you know boy seeming girl seeming not to be gendered but like we were and thought these are us Um, and so I grew up witnessing that but I think Then there's forgetting. Then there's the world um, Mm -hmm. shaping me. The world shaped me towards not believing um, in all of my magic. And I really feel like I was becoming a healer. So when I, and actually this is a um, connection to how I met my teacher. Um, Our teacher, one of my most powerful teachers that I am daily grateful for is Dr. Gerald Robinson, we call her Dr. G. Love. Um, And I was actually sitting on the map of the world (laughs) um, painting um, the continent of Africa. And here was this incredible, like amazing, she's very tall and very striking and just has a (laughs) powerful presence. And she was sitting there painting next to me and some, friends, you know, the kind of like dyke posse that I rolled with then were kind of like, oh, Aisha, it's going to massage school. You should know, gee, healers, connect. And I was like, whoa, healers. Um, and people told me then as I moved towards becoming a body worker that I would learn in school the techniques but I would not necessarily get when I needed to be a healer and that I should seek out healers who could help me find that path. And that Dr. G was one of those amazing forces in my life who saw and sparked and began to talk to me about being a healer, like being a baby shamana, like being actually a functioning (laughs) witch in the world. And yeah, I don't know that there's a moment, there's these layers of acceptance as I moved deeper and a deeper acceptance at each turn, you know, as I learned, oh, this is actually, um, this is meaningful. What I'm doing, this matters and it has
2: impact. Wow, just listening to your response is like, yes, that's it. Is layers of acceptance, and it's al- it's almost like a, a daily kind of remembering and an unlearning of so of the conditioning um this life where yeah we are babies that we're just kind of telepathically tell people to do things for us and 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 then we are you know just and for me I I was in this like make-believe world for so much of my young life that I only I wasn't able to really have friends or co-conspirators in that and then I, until I found books and then I just, that was my um, outlet into magic and relating to those magical parts of myself. Um, I think it was was really my, my clients who every day, you know, every hour reminded me that I was doing something powerful um, and that it was healing. and to have to be touched in a way that was um, just recognizing people's beauty, especially those of us who have curly hair, who've never really had anyone touch our curls in the right way, or make us feel beautiful by, you know, accepting and nurturing, the way the follicle grows out of your head and really seeing people's light come through when they see themselves whether it's because they feel like they look good or they feel like they're they finally see themselves in you know at the gendered expression that they've known was inside is not on the outside those moments help to me realized that what I was doing was magic and was healing. And yeah, the meeting Aisha, one of my I, I consider you one of my teachers, Aisha, and finding another queer black Muslim unicorn. Uh, and a birthday twin and reclaiming the and queering the Quran together. And um realizing that these sudas are spells and that there there was power and the reason why we grew up in this um, in this tradition in this way um, and Dr. G love of course in our shamanic apprenticeship as the um, distinct honor of helping us to decolonize all of the ways that we think that we are not powerful and it really wasn't until I don't know 2016 really that it felt like the moment to come out as as, as a witch and that and to and it's been really amazing to watch Others come out and people accept, you know, that the unseen is just as important, or at least is part of our lives. And this new phenomena of people even knowing what their signs are, I'm like amazed every day when someone can tell me their moon sign. (laughs) And I'm not, I'm not that, I mean, outside of the queer. People that I hang out with. (laughs) It's really been just fun these last few years being able to talk about this with others.
1: Mm, so many gems there, y'all. Thank you. Um, I mean, I think in some ways I want to just kind of go on one thread, but then like three others. So so I'm like, so I want to like just continue this particular line, Aisha, because I feel like you're already stating it, but I want to make it plain and clear. You know, where do you see this connection between the work you do, the spiritual work that you do, and the changes in material conditions in people's lives? Um, and you know, what do you hope transforms as more people will begin to engage in this healing and their spirit-based practices?
0: You know, I feel like I would also be remiss if I didn't say, especially as I'm <clears throat> in many ways getting to to have a returning to my political home at Southerners on New Ground. That song actually is one of the important places where I learned that I had magic, um, and especially Paulina Hernandez who is dearly beloved, um, you know, she, here was this amazing, radical femme, just, um, you know, if you know Paulina, she's amazing in every way. Um, uh, just working her magic with her mouth, with her speech, and then also holding altar space. It was very normal for and very um, regular that as part of meetings, like um, when I first was invited into the song family, that there would be altars at a meeting and we would make offerings and and we would talk about spirit and we would talk about the spiritual imperative of of fighting for our liberation. And I think that that for me was a lens that I was just like, oh, right. There's something, yes, we're, we're fighting the political enemies that are trying to keep our people down and we're also like digging into the poison that we've ingested in the shape of internalized oppression in the shape of internalized white supremacy in the shape of internalized anti-blackness and internalized hatred of um, other of ourselves of internalized homophobia that that's actually like things that need to be rooted out of us and that the way we can do that is by getting right with our spirits and and seeing ourselves in a lineage of ancestors and calling on them. So I think that is an important grounding to how I came to understand that my work is not just on paper or or marching in the street or making signs, which is all critical work um, or meeting with and forcing politicians to listen to us or building power with my comrades that the building power with my comrades is a spiritual act, that organizing is a spiritual act. I think that some of what's at the root and maybe a lot, if not all of what's at the root of why we harm each other as beings on this planet has to do with a separation, a separation from understanding ourselves to be part of something that we are part of I would say we are part of Pachamama we are part of this earth place we are the eruptions of the kind of joy and ecstasy and possibility of the planet of the planet Um, and I think we've when humans separate from that awareness we are able to do harm to each other um, and we begin to not say, um, we begin to forget that this place is for us. This place is our home place, and this this place has abundance for us. And then, when we forget that there's abundance for us, we begin to sink in scarcity, and then we think we must take from others in order to have what we need. And that, I think, is part of what hardens into and over many generations hardens into, I have the right for of dominion over this earth to take what I want from it. I have the right of dominion over these other humans who I get to take from and extract from. And I think that that is what must be transformed and transmuted. Um, so I, I think that that's a part of why spiritual, like why this work is necessary, like what liberation we were, we. we in order to be liberated, we must remember all of those things. We must remember abundance. We must remember that we're connected. Um, And I think that connection is how we can heal. Like being in deep connection is how we must heal. And I think that's part of why organizing is a part of healing work in my opinion um, and I've heard, I mean, I'm not the first person to say this, right, <laughs> you know, many organizers. Um, the organizing is part of healing work because it helps us know we are a part of something. It helps us know that we are, we can do something. And I think there's that metaphor about, are you the one who is, you know, when the, the big, um, when the oppressor is at the top of the mountain and throwing rocks down, are you the one who, um, goes and finds the people who have been crushed and takes care of them and like tries to stop the, you know, just stop the bleeding. Or are you the one that climbs up to the top of the mountain to stop the rocks from being thrown? And I always thought that that lesson, and I think the point of the lesson is that you have to have both, that we must take care of people who are living in the reality of of these oppressive conditions while also really going for the root causes so that we stop being, Harmed, we stop being killed, you know, and so I think that that's that's part of the work, and that's part of why spiritual work is necessary. Because stopping the rocks is both about shifting power, but also about changing how what we do with power, like and actually uprooting from all of us the notion that we should do, we should have dominion over anyone. I meandered a little bit. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that was wonderful. That was like so on point, and I really resonate with that. I want to see Selma if had anything that you wanted to add here.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm thinking about that metaphor of the pastor carrying rocks, and thinking about how the the circles of care. like those people who are out caring for those who are under the rock also need. Because that work is hard work, and I see myself as a second zone of care where I'm uplifting those people who have to go in every day into triage situations. And those situations are, are not for everyone, it does get tiring to be, you know, doing that work, and so part of the way that we move into being able to shift is to have a space for healing and create and create a, the levels of care necessary for people to be able to do that and still feel shored up, feel pumped, feel supported, feel like they have the reserves. And then there's the real, I think the question is something like, what is the, what what will be, what are the the material ways that we see, how we see this work come through. And um, I think that introducing folks to tools um, that can help address the real anxiety and the real fear that is the soup that we're living in uh, is not just, Necessary. It's like overdue at this particular moment, and people are thirsty for other ways of doing things. In the, and what I think it was Yurisha that called this this coronavirus elegant, this elegant way that we've all been asked to pause and assess the moment that we're in, and how deeply flawed and and not just just harmful the systems that we've created are and there is obviously a, a a a yearning to go back to some sort of normalcy that can never happen again and this is our moment to just slide right in with a different way um and the tools that i that we have are, are <laughs> as dr G. The in dusty baskets a lot of times where you have this powerful gift but it is inside of a dogma you know it is inside of like for us with this now it's inside of a dusty patriarchal basket and it's our job now to go in there and get the gift and not get distracted by trying to clean that basket it's not our job to clean up what capitalism what patriarchy what What these systems have done, they cannot be cleaned up. And there are people who are in there trying to get those gifts back. And how do we care for them as they're getting those gifts? How do we shore them up? How do we make sure that they're not getting dust all over them, you know? And that's where I see the spiritual work coming in.
1: That's a word. Um, I hope and I'm sure mo- so many people can resonate with that the space between protection armor and the capacity to still feel safe when um, everything that feels like a threat is there right um, and often not even the threat in the form of that person who's in front of you but maybe the, threat, the threats that they represent So I really appreciate you naming that and actually it really makes me think just about kind of another part of the times that we're in where there are concerns about everything from coup to the re-engagement of, or the armoring up of white militias, um, white supremacist militias, excuse me, <clears throat> to even the economic crisis and the elegance and the hardships that come with COVID. And so I'm wondering, how we do fortify ourselves against these fears without creating um, unnecessary barriers. And, you know, what's some of the spiritual spiritual protection um, that we can use to
0: support ourselves in these times? Yeah, that's so important. Um, One of the things that I was making me think about is um, how do we clear ourselves when we have to go into the machines? Um, And I actually, I'm working alongside Wendy Moore O'Neill is a gift. And one of the things that she reminded me of just the other day is that one of the ways that this patriarchal, heteropatriarchal, capitalist, anti-Black machine eats us is by, like, eating our soul. Like, so that we become so hardened, that we become so... Um, without joy and care that we give up, you know, that we are like, well, I'll just, I'll I'll put myself in the machine too. And I think that happened in ways that are so sneaky. Like they're so quiet. It's not, you know, it's not necessarily, it's not just the white sheet wearing, (laughs) you know, which is an extreme version, but it's also the, um, ooh, I am looking at this person in need, who is um, on the street, this unhoused person, and seeing them as someone who's there to do me harm, as opposed to someone who's there who needs my care. Um, and and it's, what we, it's what we've done to survive it. It's, not, it's no shade, it's no blame on the way that we have put on armor, but the armor can get so thick that it becomes the whole. And then, who are we inside of that?
2: I think there's a lot of apprehension and and fear when it even comes to talking about spirit work. A lot of people are like, "Oh, that's too woo," or "I'm gonna have to study forever to just be able to like do a thing." And um, there's a lot of fear embedded in the ways that people practice. Um, just even talking about spirit work, some people won't, you know, but. I think what um, is simplest is to infuse what you already do with a little, with intention and using your voice to command things in your life to go in the ways that you hope them to go. And that's just the power of intention, especially intention spoken aloud. Yeah, in, in the Lamaru of niyati is something is means it's all all of your your, your actions are led by your intention. And of course, intention is not everything. There's impact to your actions, but there's that space where you are able to say, I'm going to cleanse this off of me, and name the things that you would like to cleanse off of you. And do that before you shower, or do that before you pat yourself down, wipe it off of you. Um, and then the things that you interact with on the daily, make sure that you're you can speak nicely to them. You know, it's like the the tricks with our technology. Um when your when your tech isn't friendly to you, you can usually like pet it, blow on it, like <laughs> those things. Just I I've named all of my devices. I I remember they're from Pachamama. I I I'm sweet to them, and they're sweet back. You know, the there there's there's just like little the little things that are in your immediate life right now. The things that you touch, including your your body, be, being gentle and being sweet with with those things with yourself, is is a way of of. Fortifying yourself in the spirit world—that it doesn't have to be about, a, a, about a god or a goddess or deity or energy other than your own—and having and can create you know, what's created for me a sense of agency and how I show up um, and how I am able to really feel and be present with what's right in front of me. Wait, slow.
0: Ways love. Ways love. Ways love. Ways love.
1: love. This is for Sheddia. Dedicate this with a heavy heart. I love that. I appreciate that as so deeply. And it actually reminds me very much of or brings me brings me to where I believe that. Um, some of your power and um, brilliance got to be um, introduced into the emergent strategy space and container. So um, you all attended, I think, the immersion in New Orleans, right? Which, you know, immersions for our listeners are locally based community experiences of people practicing emergent strategy together for about three or four days. And in that immersion, you all started to go to work. You all started to do that work of protecting the containment. And so uh, we wanted to know, how did you know that the gathering needed that kind of clearing and protection?
0: I think the other thing that I've learned, yeah, the intention. I love that's so important. Like speaking with intention and sending intentions with whatever it is that you're doing. So be it a text message, an email, a Facebook post, a Twitter, you know, like, like that you were infusing that with your intention. And I, I think that, I mean, my teachers have all talked about breath and the importance of breath and the use of it. So I also think that there's n- no small amount to, to understand that speaking, using our voices, um, singing, that those are powerful ways to, to move the intention from spirit and heart into manifestation of reality um, or not into manifestation in the 3d let me say that because it's all reality Um, and I think but one of the and one of the big lessons that I have learned as a um, spirit worker a spirit forward movement worker is check out what's happening spiritually when stuff seems whack Like when something's going wrong, you know, like I think that I'm, and I, I think this is a message of movement, right? Like there's a lot happening. A lot of hard things are happening. People are in massive grief and trauma. People are acting through those massive griefs and trauma and often visiting those traumas upon those closest to us. Like that is a part of, of how the, how the, the ick Comes, you know, it's that it's like we, as we access our righteous rage, sometimes we also access these pockets of trauma induced anger that we are visiting upon the closest person. That, like, I can't do anything about the whole system. So, you right here, you, you're going to get it. And I think that that is something that, um, when like when I'm getting into that so I think Selma and I had the have had several opportunities to work together in helping hold containers for projects or things that are happening and have learned this lesson that when things get really weird <laughs> really out the box you're like why are we why is it like nothing seem to be going right right now just ordinary stuff's just going wrong can't find the you know the, the box didn't come the the can't find the chart paper, people are, you know, beefing and you don't understand why. to just take a moment and consider that there's spiritual interference happening. And this is not about pretending like the the 3D things aren't also happening because you can't find the markers, you still can't find the markers, but (laughs) that could be a sign that there's a larger things going on. And I feel like it's important and teachers have told me time and again, and I think it's important for especially movement people to know is that the enemies that don't want the light to come through are using these methodologies to interrupt us. So don't think that there's not a layer of spiritual interference happening, that there's not a layer of attack happening. And that's something to just keep in mind and just pull up and notice series of things are happening, what's going on, and then consider that there may there may be solutions that are beyond just what you can see in the 3D. That there may also need to be some clearing, some grounding. There may need to be some moving through a space to just shake it off. There may need to be some jump and shake, you know. Um, and, and that's something that I've been reminding people or, or sharing with people that when when anxiety is really, really high, that there's some like just old school technologies to use which include moving your body (laughs) in the way that makes sense to move your body, like in in the way that you have access to. So to, to, to shake it out if you have that, to jump around, to dance it out, which I think is what some of our people have been long telling us to like, just do, you know, dance and, and, and shake and jump and make sounds, but that's a part of what interrupts, um, the ick. I don't know. I wish I had a more technical word, <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's part of how to get rid of it.
2: <laughs> okay. Um, I love that. I fully,
1: I fully co-sign. Um, I co-sign that and the movement and the other ways that you've talked about, like how we just move it off. And so I want to just maybe make it just for a point, make it clear. What is spiritual hygiene? We talked about like the ick, but like what is what? So what is spiritual hygiene? Why is it important? Um, and then also yeah. can everyone do spiritual protection work? Like I feel like we've already started to say in the answers to those, but I just wanna make sure that people, it gets a little demystified.
0: Well, I think wherever powerful people are gathered trying to transform trauma, there's a need for protection um, and clearing because that is the critical work that is the seeds of undoing of these oppressive systems that harm us. And so, you know, that's gonna be a place where things are going to come to try to disrupt that. And also the emergent, I mean the immersions that I've participated in have been so powerful and I've I've gotten to participate in two. Um, and there, there just always is a moving of grief because I think, or, or at least my experience has been that there's often grief, right? So there's like the movement of grief. Um, and I the movement, the movement of grief requires transmutation in order to uh in order to take what is heavy and um sell like mourn it celebrate it and turn it into that which keeps us remembering that we can love you know so i think that that's always a space that can use clearing and that's always a space that is Um, in need of that and and I think also I would also flip it around a little bit and say that whenever people who are trying to build in loving connection with each other which doesn't mean that they're not going to be in fact definitely means that there's going to be some honest hard stuff so I think this is one of one of the mistakes that people make is to think that spiritual care is about silencing the hard stuff and it's actually about opening space for it And it's actually about creating a loving container within which we can move through the realness of all of the things that we need to release, all the things that we need to see, make visible and then move through and around. And I think that especially the New Orleans immersion was such a powerful um, example of that. I think the other thing is that we were all, our crew (laughs) was arriving back from the solstice soul shift. So we were all like, flowing up in there with all of this recently charged energy where we had just been sitting in all sitting in altar spaces together and building together and doing this deep work and and so I think part of why Annette and I and others like in some like we knew that there needed to be clearing in that space is because we were in a state of heightened receptivity and so we could feel the the energy vibrations and we loved we had so much love for the container that we wanted to show the love for the container by clearing and space holding in that
2: Mm. way yeah i think wow i'm just over here nodding everything you're saying (laughs) yes when we gather in movement work and we are trusting and 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 ready that is when the ship pops off because it, there are very few spaces where we're able to actually feel and and then you know it's it does create a lot of movement trauma when there isn't a special attention to the container work that is necessary to take that ick and turn it into medicine which is really the the main job of facilitating and, he, and healing and so the way that that showed up in new orleans was in very you know somebody had a feeling about a thing and that thing obviously wasn't just what what it was on the surface it was many layers and it was, you know, it was what it was the opportunity, it gave us the opportunity to go deeper. And, and we, I don't think we were the only ones that felt like, oh, we needed to be holding this container. But I think we we had been given opportunity to be brave in that space. And I think that one of the things that Emerging Strategies has taught me that safety is an illusion and we are Actually tasked with creating spaces where people can be brave enough to come with their vulnerabilities and know that there may be conflict and that it will be addressed compassionately. And so we I think walked away from that being like there there needs to be food, there needs to be space, there needs to be breaks, and there needs to be healer on. Like when we're checking, when we're gathering people who are ready to do the work, we know that this struggle will come up. It is inevitable. And so who is going to be holding that container? That is very important to consider when you're doing this type of spirit-forward work. It's gonna come up in some way and it might interrupt you in, you know, in ways you can understand and it might interrupt in ways you can't and what what was beautiful about the new orleans experience was that we we were we had healing stations already everybody was kind of primed it happened on the third day so we were all like vibing with each other and and then we had this beautiful i think it was a release ceremony where everyone had a chance to just like break something and we're like <laughs> we, we had a crystal that was ready to go return to the earth and just kind of took turns smashing it <laughs> and that is a very powerful tool to, so smash some things sometimes when you're when you're trying to get some some anger frustration some ick out you know with obviously um attention to caring for the space and the people around you but smashing things is very healing
1: yeah that's like absolutely we all needed to hear that I really also appreciate just this description too of what it means to not be inhabiting. So when you are giving your attention somewhere else other than the present, right? And we do that so much, right? Like So there are like 50, things that we have in our minds and 50, things that we're sending energy and attention to. And so just that moment of like, come back, let's be here and be present. Um, I really honor and appreciate that. And it feels like we're already saying that basically there's so many ways and everyone can do spiritual protection work, right? And the small rituals are the big. And so I'm wondering if there's any places um, where you would suggest folks want, if they want to find out more about how to do this work, how to do these forms of protection yeah, where can they go to learn more
0: yeah i was just thinking like what are the the handy dandy resources out here um and i think that like so much of what i've learned is part has been in spiritual community so i you know i definitely love the pathways of astrology which is i think a lot of what guides many people into this kind of spiritual work um but like moving through so you know we love we love beloved cheney and um and and reading that and i think like there are other little sneak little like snippets of tools i'm gonna think about some more in link um and maybe send some links of places so much of what i've learned has been with teachers though and i think that that is apprenticeship is one of the best ways to learn so i think that that is always you know but you get your crystal book you know get, find your crystal store Find that place that is selling a little something and see if you can get some wisdom from somebody. Um, and I think a really rich and important teacher is our people. Usually, sometimes they're not speaking it in the way of, you know, like Selma and I just spoke real plainly. But a lot of the things that we practice, one of my um, I love author friend and beloved Jamie Hatley talks about, just like the the you know just that black southern knowledge where people just know to do some things like put some Florida water on that baby because they are heated (laughs) Um, and you know go and dance because you need to dance it out like I think that speaking to your elders and maybe just asking them about what do you do when things feel bad or wrong and I think you have to listen through sometimes a lot is hidden in in spiritual practices that we might have, like the dusty basket, Selma just talked about it. So when you know when your auntie is like, "You just need to pray," he, you could hear that as you need to get into alignment and go do what prayer is for you, which is not the same as necessarily going to sit in a church pew if that's not for you. Um, so if, if that's one of the biggest teachers for me is if, is actually talking to elders, and I think that's something that, especially in this time of separation is a word that I feel like I wish, I want more young people to hear, because I think sitting with people who have walked a path before is an important, really critical part of building a spiritual practice.
2: I have ia really great resource, um, you know, because people have been in hiding for so long with this work and um for a good reason you know it it's actually was illegal before 1978 to say that you did any kind of a cult practice and a lot of the things that you find are all about how people have been harmed by spiritual organizations and their and so goddess bless those who are doing this work and also have the bandwidth to produce content in this 2020 (laughs) um but uh pavani moray is a healer in the bay who has a podcast called bespoken bones and interviews a lot of healers including our teacher dr g love and there is just so much in this um I think uh, close to hundreds of interviews with healers who are doing this work that are, it's just very juicy. Mm, Thank you so much for that. I feel that so
1: deeply and it feels so resonant and true and also such a gift when we have elders around, um, either in our family or otherwise that can share what they know. Um, That feels like an important part of one Really resisting the culture and resisting this, you know, um, this disconnection that can happen, but ensuring that we learn the vital lessons and that they are passed. And I, I, I lift up that piece that you said about like apprenticeship and the the importance of teachers, because in that way there is a certain level of transmission that comes from being with someone, right? That is very different than just what you pick up in a book. And it's like I love I've hundreds of books around me. Love a book and you know, as an acupuncturist, I've heard this over and over again from my teachers, right? That there's a way in which it's like, there's a certain amount of this that we could look at the text, but we, that some of that information would not be unlocked had we not had the blessing of a teacher. So I just wanna appreciate that up too. And I really wanna just appreciate y'all for spending your precious time with us today. It has been such a gift to be in this conversation with you both Um, I'm so so thankful for you and the miracles of your life I want to also just lift up for a minute um, your uncle Selma and all those that we've lost in this time may they have light in the transition but I want to know if there's a way that people can still learn about you and your work more a place that you would send them to yeah, sure.
2: We are actually, Aisha and I, part of a healing collective for Black femmes who are trying to do this work of get, getting getting people the tools they need to heal. And um, we are called Spirit Grove. And you can find us at Patreon. Um, dot com slash spirit grow
1: i want to just uh thank everyone who's been a part
0: of this conversation that's great i love that mm.
2: let's take a deep breath bismillah <sighs> <sighs> alhamdulillah
0: alhamdulillah alhamdulillah of a malikiomedin, my yaku, my
2: budu, I yaku, 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 yaku,
0: yaku, yaku,
1: This podcast is produced by Natalie Pert Music for the Emergent Strategy podcast is provided by Complex Movements, a Detroit-based artist collective. The music provided is from the soundtrack of the performance installation, Beware of the Dandelions. To support the ongoing work of ESII, make a donation at www.alliedmedia.org forward slash E-S-I-I.